great, uh, great message delivered very well, and uh, appreciate you, ladies. It's a blessing this morning, and uh, hopefully you're uh, you're ready to move forward in faith. Amen. Uh, we dealt with that a lot uh, last year about uh, faith and growing in faith, and uh, sometimes God just wants you to take that first step and just follow Him and trust Him. Sometimes that can be a little scary. If you've never stepped out in faith, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, if you ever step out in faith, sometimes that first step could be a little scary. But it also, it's amazing how God just grows your faith and grows you and uh, does some incredible things as we begin to follow Him. Well, we're in Ecclesiastes, uh, continuing our series there. I've enjoyed it thus far. It's been a blessing. And so we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 this morning and verse number 1. We're entering into, as we talked about last week... A new section of the book, and uh, probably for the next three months or so, uh, we're kind of in a mini-series within a series. If you didn't think it could get any more extreme, we're going to be a series within a series within a series, and, and, and that makes sense. It should. At least. Okay, anyways. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to be going into somewhat of a mini-series within our series in Ecclesiastes to the world and back again. And this somewhat mini-series we're going to be in is this. Wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, so mainly within chapter 7, Solomon uh, almost begins to write the book of Proverbs in the book of Ecclesiastes and begins to give wisdom because he's shown us how foolish it is to live life under the sun. And now he's going to show us wisdom to help us live life apart from the sun and start living life for the Son of God. And so that's really where this transition uh, that we talked about last week uh, happened, where we started making that move. And so we're just going to deal with one verse here this morning, Ecclesiastes 7.1. If you find your place there and you're able to, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's Word. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, again in verse number 1. Visitors, again, thank you so much for being here with us. And of course, uh, faithful members and tenders here at the church, thank you so much for being here as well. I know you could be in a lot of places, and I'm glad that you chose to be in the Lord's house uh, here this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number uh, 1. Let's actually back up to chapter 6 uh, and uh, start reading there in verse number 10, just to kind of get the flow of thought. That which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man, neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is man the better? For who knoweth what is good for man in this life, all the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow? For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? We tried to answer that question last week, didn't we, about the idea that this life is vain, so who's higher than us, and who can tell us really the path we ought to go? Well, that's, that's God, that's the Scriptures. I'm thankful He hasn't left us in the dark. So now, chapter 7, He begins to give us that wisdom, where He says this, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. The key emphasis here on this, those first three words, a good name. So I'd like to preach you this morning on this, a good name. May God bless you. word. You can be seated. And thank you for standing uh, in honor of the scriptures uh, here this morning. <clears throat> Teachers don't like suck-up kids, but they do like good kids. 
all the teachers said amen, right? <clears throat> My wife has just started uh, teaching uh, at a Christian school in the Hazlitt at Brother Crawford's Christian school there and pray for her. She's teaching K-4 and so she's with uh, a whole bunch of Maddies all day long. So uh, that's what she started doing. Uh, I don't know if you remember, some of you all, it is current, you're in school right now. Others, it's maybe pretty recent, you were in school. Others, it's been a, been a few minutes uh, since you were in school. Uh, but you might remember back to a time where you were in school and think about uh, the good students, the average students, and the kids that just messed around and never really accomplished much. Now, as a student, I uh, had both of my parents at one point were teachers. Uh, my dad was bivocational for a good long while. He was a pastor and also a school teacher. And my mom actually retired as a school teacher. She taught uh, PE and physical education, was a coach. And uh, so that was always scary when I was in the same school she was in. Everyone knew me as Coach Pugh's son. And so I was either a pastor's kid or a coach's kid. And that was a dangerous combination. And so, but I still remember uh, going to school and, and learning a few things at a young age, uh, especially as I got into uh, a junior high and you start having multiple teachers and kind of uh, classes and periods that you would move between. I started to realize if I applied myself and really went above and beyond the first six weeks of school, it made the remainder of the school year that much easier. Now, here's what I mean by that is the first six weeks, I was never tardy to class. I was never absent. And I was the not only did I do my schoolwork, but I would do it the best I could, like as awesome as I could. Now, the reason I did that is I started to realize if I developed a testimony at the first portion of school where the teacher started to recognize this is a student who is going to be punctual and is going to do their work and turn it in on time and is serious-minded about school, as I started to realize the, the latter portion of school was that usually if there was like group assignments, I didn't get stuck with a bad group. And if I was behind on a project, I was given grace because I had developed a testimony of that's not normally what happens. Now, again, you're not trying to suck up or anything, but you start to develop the understanding of, hey, if I develop a testimony of being a good kid and having the right kind of behavior and, and wanting to carry that through the rest of the year, but I would much rather be the student in class that the teacher goes, that kid's going to get his work done than to be the kid the first day of class that shows up late and never turns in his work. And by the end of the first week, the teacher goes, that kid's going to be a problem. And they know your name not for a good reason, right? Now, I have two older siblings. I have an older sister and an older brother. It was a good thing in my life, but for others it wasn't so good. When I walked into a class that two years earlier my brother had and four years earlier my sister had, the teacher would go, oh, you're such and such as brother. Now, for me, luckily, my older brother and sister were, were good kids and did really well. And so usually they would go in and they would, they would mark me. I didn't even have to do anything. They would go in and be like, that's going to be a good student. And I was like, thanks, brother and sister. That was wonderful. And then I always felt bad for the kid in my class that walked in. And they go, oh, is your older brother? <laughs> and they're just, they didn't even know the kid. 
Some of y'all are like, yeah, that was me. My older siblings ruined it for me. I didn't even get a chance. Now, what is that? Well, it's a name association, isn't it? That they start to realize with a name association, they say, oh, this name is synonymous with somebody who is punctual, somebody who is diligent, somebody who is a hard worker, somebody who desires to be uh, successful, somebody who wants to be a good student, or this name becomes synonymous with a slacker. The name becomes synonymous with a troublemaker. The name becomes synonymous with somebody you don't want in your class. Known by all as the problem child, right? The name becomes synonymous with that. Yeah, I, even today, once you grow up, that same principle kind of applies, doesn't it? It doesn't kind of apply. It absolutely applies. Uh, some of you all uh, at work, your name comes attached to it, a good worker, diligent, punctual, Hey, give such and such that job. They'll do it right the first time. Your name is connected with that. Some of you all know people at your work. I won't say you're that person, but you know people at your work that their name is not connected with that. Your boss gives you a, says, hey, I want you to take so-and-so and go do that job. And you're like, not so-and-so because their name is synonymous with it, right? It, you have seen their work in the past, and you know you're going to be doing 90% of the job. Like they're a slacker, they're lazy, they're not going to do what they're supposed to. And then when they are doing something, it's wrong, and you have to come back after them and, and fix it. That's frustrating. Yep. Uh, students at, at school with the teacher, but what about even athletics, right? You know, you get known as the kid that slacks off or the kid that's diligent and works hard. What about at church? This could be dangerous. At church. Are you the church member that people, when they hear your name, they go, that person is an encourager. That person is a blessing. That person, every time I see them coming, I go, oh, I want to go up and shake their hand and, and talk to them because they're a blessing. Or when people see you coming, do they go, <laughs> the other direction. Like, I can't handle that this morning. <laughs> Maybe it is that... Your name has become synonymous with gossip or backbiting or dissension. Or maybe you're just negative all the time. Somebody's like, I, can't, I was having a good day and now I just feel down in the dumps. Talk to them, right? Now listen, we, we could go through all kinds of illustrations and examples in life, but our name becomes synonymous with something. You know, our name becomes connected with something. So the question here this morning is simply this. When people hear your name, what emotion does that stir in their heart and mind? When people think about you, what testimony is connected with that name? Because according to Solomon here, he simply helps us understand a good name is very valuable. A good name is to be sought after. A, a name that is connected with positive thoughts and good ideas is something that holds tremendous value. It is far more expensive than some of the most valuable things you can think of. It's super valuable. But we kind of get a little ahead of ourselves here and just go ahead and say this, though. In Solomon's mind, the good name here that he's talking about has far less to do with what our peers think of us and far more to do with what God thinks about you. 
So more importantly here this morning, than it, when somebody in the church or at your workplace or at your school or in your community hears your name, what happens when God speaks your name? What are the thoughts that are engendered in God's mind toward you? What is God's opinion about your testimony? Because we can fool those that are around us by behaving wisely in the light. But what do you do in the dark places when no one else sees? And it's just you and God. Do you have a good name here this morning? So let's take a look here at this passage of Scripture and dig into what Solomon is helping us understand about this idea of a good name. Now, chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes is almost like reading the book of Proverbs. Now, if you, uh, in your Bible reading, uh, maybe you're of the habit of every day of the uh, month, you read the corresponding chapter in the book of Proverbs. It's a great practice to do in addition, like a supplemental reading to your Bible reading, uh, to just read a chapter in the book of Proverbs every day. But if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, it's like biblical fortune cookies. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the scriptures, just helping you understand how it reads, where there's like one-off verses or a few verses that kind of snap together, and they're just very simple thoughts. They just, they just grab you. It's a proverb. It's a, it's a quick, short summary statement that is meant to grab the attention and meant to give us a snippet of wisdom. And so the book of Proverbs is, is a, a collection of these proverbial statements that is written by Solomon. And so here we have in Ecclesiastes, also written by Solomon, a chapter that reads a lot like the book of Proverbs with these proverbial statements where they're just quick snippets that are meant to grab the attention of the reader. Now, obviously we've talked about uh, in the previous six chapters... We've been on a journey, and again, I'm not going to beat this into the ground, but we've been on a journey under the sun, which is where we've been going from kind of one destination to the other with Solomon, who had all the resources and time and talent and treasure at his disposal, and he has taken us on this journey to realize that's empty, that has no value, that's vanity, there's no goodness there. So he's kind of taken a life apart from God, and he's living a life apart from God here on this earth, for this earth. The phrase that's used in the book is under the sun. And the journey that he has taken thus far, the conclusion of it is it's all vain, empty, vanity of vanities. Now, that's vexation of soul and spirit, meaning it promises much and delivers little. Every day you feel like, I'm going to get there, and you never do. So now Solomon, as we've read at the end of chapter 6... He is now helping us transition and moving away from living life under the sun. And now he wants us, don't miss this, he wants us to understand that God desires for you to live life for God. Or we might say it this way, under the sun, S-O-N. As opposed to life lived under the sun, S-U-N, or life lived in this world for the world, now Solomon is understanding, hey, that's all vain, so what does life lived for God look like? What does life lived with applied wisdom look like? What does life live like if it's lived for God and lived for His glory and lived for the good of others and stewarding life so that we can invest in other people? What does that look like? So that's where chapter 7 begins to come in. These proverbial statements 
where we have tidbits of wisdom. Now, wisdom is only good if it's applied. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. And the Bible says knowledge puffs up. I'm fearful we have a lot of people, maybe sitting right here in the pews of Bible Baptist Church, who know a lot about the book, but live very little of the book. That is not our concern as we start to go through the remainder of this book. Solomon's desire is not that you know what's right. His desire is that you will do what is right. Wisdom is not wisdom unless it is applied. Unless you do it. And so as we go through this, I hope you'll take these these one-off proverbial statements, this wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, and you will begin to apply them to your life. Stop living life under the sun and start living life for the Son of God. So what is a good name? Well, it says a good name is better than precious ointment. Well, if a name, a good name, is better than precious ointment, then we had better know what precious ointment is. Okay, so let's take a quick look and see what ointment is. <clears throat> In a technical sense, o- ointment is a valuable, costly, rare oil that was used for either its scent or its medical use. Okay, so here you have an ointment, this perfume that is being talked about here, this precious ointment is either something that was concocted to smell really beautiful or to be used to help as like an ointment for medicine to apply topically onto a person's wound or problem. Now, uh, this is a process that would use fat or oil-based substances. It would have spices that were ground into a powder that were added to them, heated, and then allowed to ferment or stew within an alabaster container. And that blessed your soul, absolutely to know that. But understand this, kind of like today, how they would take substances mixed in a unique formula to make a perfume or to make some type of medicine. There were those who were the apothecaries who would take mortar and pestle and they would grind up certain spices and measure them and meticulously design these and then ferment them or let them sit in special containers for the unique purpose of them being used for beautiful smell or for medicinal purposes. Now, these were very valuable. So much so that almost exclusively in the Bible, when it talks about things being of high value, I'm talking about dollar amount, like this is worth a lot of money, it'll reference things like gold, silver, expensive clothing, houses, lands, and ointment. So let me give you a few verses here, okay? Uh, we'll put these up on the screen, Miss Kim, so we can help out with everyone so we don't have to turn here, there, and everywhere. All right, 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 13. It's really small, so really focus really hard. All right, it says this, And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things. So this is a foolish thing that Hezekiah does. He has people in uh, from Babylon, and he goes, Let me show you all my treasure. And then they raid him and steal all his treasures. That was a really dumb thing that he did. But when he goes in, he's going to show them all of his precious things. Notice down there, he says, silver, gold, spices, and the precious ointments. One of the things of great value. He then goes over to Psalm 45 and verse number 7. Psalm 45 verse 7 says this, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Here it's referenced in a spiritual sense. God places high value on ointment and being anointed with it. 
Psalm 133, verses 1 and 2 says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. Well, how good is it? It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Proverbs 27 and verse number 9, it says this, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. Song of Solomon, don't, don't worry, we're going there, but Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 3, it says this, Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. And then we'll go over into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 7. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Now listen, in all these verses, and we can go to a bunch more, there is high value that's placed on the ointment. If you remember that story in the New Testament where Mary goes in and breaks that alabaster box and pours it out, and remember Judas gets really mad because he had the money bag, he had the purse, and he was a thief, and he got mad. He said, we could have sold that for like a year's wages and used the money to provide for the poor. Now, he wasn't, he cared less about the poor. He was a thief. That's why he wanted her to do that. But notice the value that he placed on it. Everyone, when they saw that, they saw this as this massive sacrifice of her expending and pouring out something that had high value. Now, notice this. When it's talking about here in uh, Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon could have used gold, silver, and a ton of other things, but instead he uses ointment to place high value on a good name. So we have to understand this precious ointment is of high value. It is something that is very important. But a good name, the Bible says, is better than precious ointment. So what's a, a good name? Well, a good name is clearly speaking of your reputation. It's not talking about the fact that David is a better name than all the rest of you guys. Y'all, that totally went over your head. We have to try that again. <laughs> David is a good name. And I'm sorry if you were given a bad name that is not David. David's the best name that's ever been given to anybody. <clears throat> Anyways, that was meant to be a joke. We're wake everybody up. All right. So a good name is not speaking of like the number of letters or how beautiful your name sounds. It's speaking of the character that's connected with your name. Your reputation Okay, we didn't make that clear that this is a reputation that is being spoken of here. So then the question comes, how does a person get a good name? Well, just as we talked about earlier, knowing something doesn't give you a good name. But applying biblical wisdom gives a person a good name. Here's how you get a good name, and we'll dive into this even further as the sermon goes on. But as you read the scriptures, and then you do what the scriptures say, you will get... A good name. That's how a person develops a reputation where their name becomes synonymous with good and right and doing that which God has told us to do. Because remember, the, uh, Solomon here is less interested in peers thinking we have a good name. He's so much more interested in God giving us a good name and knowing that we have that good name. So why is a good name better than precious ointment? Well, an ointment is beneficial in two ways. <clears throat> Let me give you the two ways ointment is uh, beneficial. One is it rejoices your heart, the Bible says. 
knowing I don't stink. I smell pretty good. You know, you put deodorant on and spray smelly good on you and you go, I now know when I go throughout the day, I will not smell like a dumpster. I'm thankful I do not smell like a dumpster this morning. That's a blessing. You say, man, thank you. I know you all appreciate that so much. Yeah. When I spent time in uh, Tanzania, Africa, which you, if you've never traveled abroad, especially third world countries before, this maybe won't have as much meaning to you. It wouldn't have to me. When I went to Tanzania and we would drive around with the, the, the vans there, there were about 12 passengers and you would fit about 42 people in them. If I'm lying, I'm dying. We're just like shoving people in. They're on the roof of the car. They're riding around the outside of it. And you're just everywhere we go. That's how they picked up people for church. And you're in there and literally you have all these people packed in. And there's no way to describe the body odor smell. It is incomprehensible how bad it is. And you never get used to it. And so I'm there as an 18-year-old like shoving things in my nose. Because you've got people piled all on top of it, and you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Now listen, there's something about a a good smell and knowing that you smell good. That's one part of it. But we also understand that the secondary part of that is that it blesses other people. Now, when I was, uh, actually this is even before we were dating, uh, because Evie's parents were kind of strict about when we started dating, So we only could write letters to each other the first summer. We really liked each other. I think we already had a wedding date picked out at that point. We weren't even dating. We were just really into each other. But we could only write letters that first summer. She was traveling with a singing group. No. Yes. She was traveling with a singing group. And I was working back home with my dad. And we were just writing letters to each other. And so when a letter came in the mail, I did not read the letter. I smelled the letter. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You open that thing up, and she would have sprayed it with her perfume. Oh, man. Mm, I tell you what. That is a powerful thing. Smell is, isn't it? Now, listen. The, the perfume is not only a benefit to the one who wears it, but it's also a benefit to those who have the opportunity to smell it. Okay? So, in, in the sense that Solomon is talking about this, he says, the ointment is good, a precious ointment is good because it's beneficial for the one who wears it, and it's beneficial for those who are able to enjoy it. But in a heightened sense, a good name is also beneficial for those same reasons. It's actually better than the precious ointment. He says it's, it's superior to it. You see, a good name is good for you as an individual. You know, there's an old saying, uh, nice guys finish last. My observation of it is that that's not true. They might start slow, but in the end, they finish far ahead of others. Even in a corrupt system and even in a broken system, people who have a good reputation and develop a good name, other people might jump out ahead of them until they're found out to be charlatans tricksters, people who pulled the wool over other people's eyes, where they thought they were good-named people, but they weren't. But those who apply themselves to wisdom and do that which is right, listen, it's beneficial to individuals, it's beneficial to you to have a good name. But mm, this is so good, don't miss this. It's also beneficial to those who benefit from your good name. 
Like me when I was in college and I opened up that letter and whoosh, the smell of glory came forth. <laughs> oh yeah, as I got to, to reminisce about all of the, the times when I was physically in the presence of my girlfriend then and now my wife, amen. And so as I think back at that and just the smell that was there, I say this, it was beneficial to, to me. I might have been having a bad day and then that letter was there and it, it made my day better. I might have been somebody who's thinking, does my, does my girlfriend, she's still being faithful to me? Does she still love me? Are we still together? I can't just call her. Couldn't text her. So then that letter comes in, and then it was not just the content of the letter, but the fragrance of the letter helped me understand this. She's still into me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yep. But in a better sense, a good name is beneficial for those that are around us. Hey, if you're a boss and you have somebody that works for you that has a reputation for doing that which is good and beneficial for you as a boss, it's a blessing to have that person in your payroll, isn't it? Amen. Absolutely. Hey, it's a blessing to have people right here in Bible Baptist Church that have a testimony and a heart to love people and serve God and have that mentality and heart about them. And so Solomon says this, a good name is far superior the reason he doesn't talk about gold or silver is because he's comparing it to the ointment of the benefit to the individual, but also the benefit to the other. But it is far superior to a good ointment. A good name is much greater than that. The reason it's greater is because an ointment will smell good for a little bit. A good name will make a lasting impact that lasts for a long time. It's far better. See, the problem with a good name, though, is you can mess it up pretty fast, can't you? You can spend years developing a good reputation and ruin it like that. You can mess it up. It, later in the book of Proverbs, uh, he would actually describe it this way, Solomon would, that there is a fly that could get into the ointment of the apothecary, and it can ruin the whole batch of sweet-smelling good stuff, and it can cause it to stink. It can mess it all up. And so, what do you do then? Well, sometimes you have to dump it out and start over again to get the stink out. I'm thankful we have a God of grace and mercy who allows us the opportunity to find forgiveness and help to restore a bad reputation and start developing a good name. A life that has been dictated by godly principles applied to their life will have a day of death that is a better than their day of birth. So he says at the end of verse number one there, good name is better than this, and a day of person's death is better than the day of their birth. And we were just having this conversation yesterday, me and Brother Stephen Phillips after the service, and he was telling me this, I prefer doing weddings over doing funerals. And I had to think about it for a second, and I thought, I don't know. I don't really like doing either one of them. <laughs> I, I much prefer preaching, but I mean, that's part of ministry, you know, doing those aspects of it. Uh, but let's be honest most of the time, we prefer the happy moments more than the sad moments in life. And most people don't wind up and they're like, prefer going to a person's funeral as opposed to going to the birth of a baby. But Solomon says here, a person with a good name, their death is superior than their birth. Well, how's that work? Because a person's birth is really a fun occasion. Oh, they look just like their dad. They look just like their mom. It's a baby. They all look the same. <laughs> Looking in there. Oh, he's so cute. Look at him there, you know. And everybody loves looking at the little baby and watching him coo. And 
do what they do and all that stuff. Everybody's happy, you know, looking through the window. And, I mean, it's just exciting. There's a baby. Every, I mean, here is a life. This, this baby could wind up growing up and being an absolute dirt bag. But at the day of their birth, it's a joyous occasion. <laughs> That's the only thing some of y'all are going to remember about this sermon. <clears throat> Preacher called my baby a dirt bag. Anyway, but the day of birth, let's be honest, even somebody who would grow up to be an awful person, at the day of their birth, it's a life of potential and hope, and they're, they're, it's innocence, right? I mean, except for the fact that mother and father learn pretty quickly they were born sinners, because they're selfish and greedy, and what would they want when they want it? But in a sense, they're in many ways innocent and have a whole life ahead of them. There, there's so much good there. So how could it be that a day of one's death is better than a day of one's birth? I've been a part of some funerals and a part of some end of lives of some people where it is trying to scrounge and scrape to find something positive to say. That's sad. A life that was squandered, a life that was wasted, a life that was spent on frivolousness. But I've also been at some funerals of some people that absolutely loved God and were spent for the good of others and just absolutely exhausted themselves for the glory of God. I remember going to Brother Floyd Sheck Snyder's funeral. He was the song director for many years at Southwest Baptist Church and died while I was a student there. Evie grew up at Southwest, very connected with him and, and knew him all really well. And I remember that funeral just being beyond packed. They had no room for people to show up. The influence of a life of somebody who had given their life for the glory of God and for the good of others. And at the day of his death, it was far superior than the day of his birth because he had a good name. His life had been spent on positive and righteous and wise things. And so there were all these people at the day of his death who looked at him and said, that man made a difference in my life. That man impacted my life. That, that man invested in my life. And his life was an ointment that the, 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 uh, the smell, the fragrance, the goodness of it touched so many lives. It was not only beneficial for him as an individual, but it benefited so many others. Now, if we kind of land the plane here this morning, kind of pull this all together. I'm looking at a group of, of folks here, a, a, a body of believers have trusted Christ and are obviously wanting to live for the Lord because you're at church this morning. But I, ask you that, I have to ask you this. What do people think of when they think about your name? If your funeral were today, what lives have been impacted by your life for good and for God's glory? Is the day of your death going to be better than the day of your birth? Is your life a sweet fragrance not only by the testimony of your peers, but more importantly, by the testimony of an almighty God. If you were to honestly ask God this morning and say, God, do I have a good name? What would his response be? If you say this morning, you know what? I don't have a good name. My, my life has been a testimony of that which is lived, a life lived for selfishness. And my life, if I could define it, has been a life lived under the sun. Life lived in this world for this world. Well, here's the great benefit this morning. A fly has gotten into the ointment and made it stink. There's an old-fashioned altar that you can go to where you can get before God 
And there's a God of mercy who can forgive and help you begin today to develop a good name and a life of reputation. Teenagers, maybe it is you're known by your teachers and your Sunday school teacher here at church and your pastor and your parents and everyone else as being a goof off and somebody who doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Today is the day that you can start choosing to have a good name. You are not defined by what has only happened in your past. You have a future that is ahead of you where you can develop a reputation for goodness and godliness. Look ahead years from now and say, at the day of my death, what do I want my fragrance to smell like? Do I want to stink or do I want to smell beautiful to others? A good name is better than precious one. Let's all stand together as we come to a time.